Welcome to the Generation Life Church Sermon Podcast. We are a life-giving church for everyone. We are multi-generational, multicultural, and exist to multiply by reaching our community both locally and globally with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray that this message helps you in your walk with Jesus. How many of you have children? Okay, oh yeah, there we go. So everybody remembers the day, right? You remember the day? Like when you knew they were coming, not D-Day, even though you felt like you were in a battle maybe, but, but the day when mama's water broke, remember? You knew it was on, and you had to be ready in the moment. You know what I mean? Like, like there was no, oh, let me go make, get things right. I mean, you may have tried that, but when it happens, you have to be ready in the moment. And even though you knew it was coming, Right, you knew it was coming because, you know, you, mama just started getting a little bit big and then she kind of had that lean back and that tummy's way out there, you know, and then when she'd sit down, she'd take about 20 minutes to get settled and get right. You know what I mean? Like, like you remember the day and when that day comes, you have to be prepared to bust a move, like immediately. <laughs> Whatever you had prepared is what you've got. So our daughter, Madison, she came, uh, she came 10 days early for a first-time baby. Woo! Sent a whirlwind through our whole house. Like, we had to be ready. We did not prepare in time. Like, I didn't pre- prepare the bag. And so Katie's like, you got the bag? And I was like, no, I don't have the bag. So I tried to get the bag based on my knowledge. And so I'm like, uh, this is the emergency bag. Hmm. Well, she probably wants a pair of jeans in there. Right? You know how uncomfortable it would be for a woman who just had a child to have a pair of jeans? I didn't even pack the toothbrush. I don't think I put any makeup in there. I was like, well, she gets hungry. Maybe I'll make a peanut butter and jelly, put that in there. You know, like I didn't know what to do. And in the last moments, Katie's like, let me just get it. And she just started coaching me on what to grab. And we shot out and we went to the hospital. You know, by the time we had our second one and then our third, man, we were pros. You know, we, we, we knew exactly what to do. We had the bags packed. If you know us, I've already told you this, but man, by the time Jackson came our third, <laughs> Katie had a team of women in the delivery room with us. Like, she had plenty of help. I'm over there eating a sandwich. <laughs> She's laying in the bed. <laughs> they said, Mr. Bretto, would you like to hold the leg? I looked over, I was like, no, they got it. They got plenty of women over there. She's like, you better put that sandwich down and come hold the leg. Listen, last week we started a message called Preppers. It's a two-part series. And, you know, when you start looking at the birth pains of your wife, you know that that baby's coming. And as we were looking at this message called Preppers, Jesus likened something similar unto the time before he would come back. And he said, you're going to see conditions. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars and even earthquakes in diverse places and famines. And he said, when you see those things in Matthew 24 in verse 8, he let us know that these are the beginnings of birth pains. So he likened his second coming, his coming back, his return unto a woman in labor. Title of the message is called Preppers Part 2. Jesus said, listen, when you see these conditions, you know that I'm on my way back. Look at somebody say he's coming back. 
You ought to type that in the chat. He's coming back soon. And the question that I proposed last week that I want to rehearse in our hearing one more time is when Jesus comes back, are you ready to meet with him? Do you have your bags packed and ready to go? Or are you going to be scrambling like, hey, <laughs> I pray you would have your bags packed. In fact, today, my hope is to give you the essentials that you need to be prepared to meet with Jesus as well as to be an effective believer in Christ for him in what the scripture has identified as the last days. Uh, are you ready for the word today? All right. You guys came hungry today, and I can hear you in this building. Ooh, this might, this might do something for us here. Praise God. Hey, um, if you have not had an opportunity to subscribe to our YouTube channel, I want to encourage you to do so. Search Generation Life Church and just look for our logo on there and subscribe. If you, had not, if you have not gotten the opportunity to listen to part one of this series, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that and then as well listen to this message that we're going to bring forth today. Um, I want you to take notes today. Take out your phones if you have them. Take out your iPads, a piece of paper, grab a pen, put it on a napkin, anything. I just want you to take notes. We're going to study the Word of God today. You guys ready to study the Word today? Is that all right? We're going to look at the book of Luke, chapter number 21, and we're going to read uh, just four verses. We're going to recap just a couple of them from last week as we dive down into this text. And... Um, the book of Luke, chapter number 21, starting at verse 25, the word of the Lord says, And there will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And here on earth the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. Now, this is the part that I love because this is the good news in the midst of all this stuff right here. Jesus said, when you see all these things begin to happen, stand and look up for your salvation is near. Ooh, I just love the Lord. I, I love how no matter what you see in the word and during these times, Jesus brings some hope. Thank the Lord for hope today, that in the midst of a world that's spiraling out of control, we can still have hope. All right, so uh, when it comes to speaking about the last days or the end times, how many of you guys just get a little nervous? Just be honest when you start talking about that stuff. Yeah, like, okay, right? Um, so when it comes to speaking about the last days or end times, there is a word that is used to encapsulate it, and it's called eschatology. I'd like for you to write that down, eschatology. While you're writing on, take a sip. So eschatology is a branch of theology concerned with the final events in the history of the world or of mankind or humankind. Basically, a study of the end times. Now, I just want to say that there are different views when it comes to eschatology, okay? Like, not every Christian is a believer in what is called classical 
eschatology, okay? Like some people don't even, I, I was sharing last week, some people believe like uh, Matthew 24 and Luke 21 and, and, and Revelation, that's already been fulfilled. So there are some people who don't even believe in eschatology, but there are some who do, and there's a very, very large majority. In fact, classical eschatology is the most popular view when it comes to end times. And so, like I said, because if some of you guys came out of a certain denomination of church, what I'm about to say here, I don't want you to jump up and run out. Hear the whole message, okay? Hear the whole message. Um, you'd be surprised. Some folks, you know, get offended and ready to leave and say he had torn jeans on and I'm out of here. And now he just said something about the end times that I didn't agree with. That's it. That was the last straw. I'm out. I'll catch you online. Um, so classical eschatology, here it is. We see the signs of the times. We see everything that's been taking place. We see wars and rumors of wars and, and earthquakes and so many things that Jesus said would be the birth pains. The next thing to happen, the next major event, according to classical eschatology, is the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church. That is when a sound of a trumpet is blown and we, the church, meet Jesus in the air to be with him. Let me give you some scripture on that. First uh, Thessalonians chapter number four, verses 16 through 17. The word of the Lord says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Another supporting scripture is 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 through 54. You can read that at, during your own time. So that is one of the strongest texts that we have for the support of the rapture of the church according to classical eschatology. Now, there are some on the other end who say they don't believe in the rapture of the church. They're still saved. They're still believers in Christ. They just don't believe it. And the reason why is because they say, well, there was the first advent. That's when Jesus was born and we celebrate his birth at Christmas time, okay? And then there is the second advent when he returns to earth and establishes his kingdom. So the rebuttal, the debate is, you're saying now there's another coming in between and that would make three comings and the scripture doesn't say there's three comings. Okay? So they don't believe in the rapture of the church because they're saying, now you're saying he's coming back three times. So the rebuttal to that is what many people who support classical eschatology will say, Jesus is not returning to earth. He's coming and meeting the church in the air, in the clouds, and then taking them back into the kingdom. So that's the rebuttal to that. Okay? Now let's move on. I'm not going to be able to take any Q&A or anything like that. We'll be here forever and ever and ever. And, and so when we do get to heaven, we'll be able to ask the Lord about all this stuff, okay? So table that, and when you get there, just ask him. Um, the next event after the rapture of the church, according to classical eschatology, is the revealing of the man of sin or the Antichrist, okay? You've probably seen a lot of Hollywood movies, about the Antichrist. And so uh, the Antichrist, you'll see references to him 
in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2 and verse 3. 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 3, you can check that out. Uh, also in Revelation 13, you've got a lot of reference to him there. And in Daniel 9 as well. And the Antichrist, or the man of sin, he comes during a time of chaos in the world. Okay? He comes when it's probably even more chaotic than what we see now, and he comes as a man of peace. He just steps on the scene, highly influential. I believe he'll be very popular. He'll come, and he'll be able to establish peace. And the world is looking for peace. The Scripture says that he's a deceiver, and he deceives the whole world. So it looks like this man is a man of peace and he's coming and finally we're going to put an put a end to all this terrorism and, and all this, these, these catastrophes and all these things. And the world is looking for that. So the scripture says that he will come, according to classical eschatology, he will come and he will establish a one world government, okay, a one world religion, and a one world economy. And the only way to buy and sell in his economy is to have a mark. It's called the mark of the beast on your right hand or on your forehead. And we don't know what that, what that, number, what that is. Um, it just says it's the number of his name, which is 666. I don't know if you've ever been to Starbucks, but if you get a certain drink, it will ring up to 666. And I'm like, hey, uh, can you make that 667? You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't be paying that much money. I'll give you an extra dollar if you need it. Like, I, I just don't want it. I'm not, you know, superstitious or anything, but I just can't have that charge. You know, <laughs> I'll be bugging out about that stuff, you know. Um, let me just say that the world is prepared. Let me read you uh, a statement from the UN NATO Secretary General, Henry Spake, many years ago. He said, what we want is a man of sufficient stature, to hold the alliances of all people and to lift us up out of the economic morass into which we are sinking, into which we are sinking. Now watch this. He said, send us such a man, be he God or the devil, and we will receive him. That's a sobering statement right there. So the world is looking for one to come. And the scripture lets us know that he is the man of sin that will deceive the whole world. Now, why is this relevant to us? Because in the earth today, there exists what is called the spirit of the Antichrist. It's preparation to get things ready so that when he steps on the scene, he's ready to go. He's stewarding over these things now because they've been set in motion. And there, there's the spirit of the Antichrist that is opposed to Jesus. I don't know if you have TV Anybody watch TV anymore? You see so many different programs and shows. It's so anti-Christ. If it's not making the, the Christian look like some kind of idiot on Saturday Night Live or whatever it may be, you know, it, there's, just, there's a spirit of the Antichrist. In fact, in 1 John 4 and verse 3, the word of the Lord says this, but if someone claims to be a prophet, and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world, and indeed is already here. So he's saying there are people who have the spirit of the Antichrist. Now you need to also hear this. 
they can still receive Jesus. They can still be saved. They're just living under the influence of the spirit of the Antichrist. So don't be walking up on somebody Monday morning. I see you, devil. You know, <laughs> I see you. I just read in John 4. You know, no, 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 no. They, 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 they need grace that we may all know and come to faith in Christ Jesus. Okay? So we have the rapture of the church. We have the revealing of the Antichrist. And then we have, um, he comes and he establishes a peace treaty with Israel. This is how you know. This is one of the major ways you'll be able to identify him. He'll, he'll, he'll make a peace treaty with Israel for seven years. After three and a half years of peace, there will come three and a half years of tribulation because he breaks that peace treaty. And so it's during that tribulation period that things really get out of control. And then the final, the next event to take place after that is that what is called the Battle of Armageddon in the Valley of Megiddo. I was in Israel and I overlooked this massive flat land in Israel. It's the size of an uncountable amount of football fields. Just keeps on going and going and going. And we'll see nations there. In order for this battle to take place, something significant has to happen to let you know that we're starting to get close to the return of Christ. And that is, there is a 200 million man army that comes from the east, according to classical eschatology, to get to Megiddo or the Battle of Armageddon. And the only way to get there is to come across the Euphrates River. So that would have to be dried up in order to come across. Uh, I don't know if you guys, how many of you are on TikTok? Couple of you, all right. Um, there was a video, well, then it'll pop in Telegram sometimes. Someone will download it or they'll maybe even put it on Instagram, maybe even Facebook. Um, but there was a video that went viral not long ago, and it was actual footage of the Euphrates River, which is a significant body of water that's dried up. So the Euphrates is dry. So it's possible for this to actually happen. And this was prophesied thousands of years ago, right? So we know that we're living during the times of the end. And after the battle of Armageddon, right then at that moment here, Christ returns. He actually comes and he defeats the Antichrist. He comes back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he establishes the millennial reign of Christ for a thousand years, he is just king of king and lord of lords, ruling from Israel. There's a lot to go to say about that. We could preach two messages about that and teaching about that during that moment and like where we fit in. But the next thing to take place is once the millennial reign of Christ is established, Satan is bound for a thousand years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he comes back, he defeats the Antichrist, and he lets Satan know, listen, I know you thought you were the boss, but come on over here and take this whooping now. I want you to go in the bathroom. You're going to wait for me. <laughs> you can think about it. I'm going to give you some swats when I get in there. All right? like, like, so according to classical eschatology, that's what we see. Okay? Um, and then, for some odd reason, I don't know why, um, but then... After that thousand years, Satan is loosed once again for a short time to have an opportunity to deceive the nations once more. And then the final end is he will be destroyed by being cast into a lake of fire for eternity. Now, that was a whole lot right there, wasn't it? 
That was a whole lot. But, but I wanted you to make sure that you had, um, according to classical eschatology, I wanted to make sure that you at least had that teaching before we go on, you know, YouTube or something. Or, or, and you can find good stuff on YouTube or some kind of, you know, uh, calling the president the Antichrist and all this stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just want to make sure that we have sound doctrine so that we can be on the lookout for some of the characteristics that we need to see during this time. Because Jesus said, we need to be alert. We need to be sober. We need to be looking for these things. And at the same time, we need to be effective for him. And to have peace. <laughs> and to have peace. In fact, let me look at, uh, let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 and verse 18. We already looked at 16 and 17 that talked about the, the catching up. Um, but verse 18 says this. So encourage each other with these words. Mm, that's so good. The thing that comforted the disciples during the time of tribulation that they were going through in the scriptures were the words of Jesus. We looked at that in Luke 21. The thing that is going to bring us comfort during this tribulation, during these birth pangs, during these what we are calling now end times and signs of the times, the thing that's going to bring us comfort as believers in Christ is the word of God. Do you know the word of God? That's, that's, that's what you need to have down on the inside of your spirit because it worked for them, it's got to also work for us. So having that in mind now, having considered that we just identified one of the most important and essential things that we can have in our bag, the word of God in our hearts. I did a little Google search, and you know how I am. I'm always doing some kind of Google search of some sort. If Google shuts down, man, I don't know. I'll have to go back to the old school way. My, my wife knows I got books that'll, that'll go all the way across here and come probably all the way up. My father-in-law gave them to me. You know, I've just got boxes. Been driving my wife crazy for years. I still need these books. You haven't opened these in three moves. I'm like, we're settled now, though, but... <laughs> I was still going to keep it in the boxes, though, to preserve them because I got everything on my phone. And, you know, like, um, so I did a Google search. And um, I just said, um, the amount of time one spends on social media per day. And what was shot back to me was just two hours and 31 minutes is the amount of time one individual, the average person, spends on social media. And, in fact, it says there are 4.76 billion social media users which are 59% of the world's population. Whoo, man, somebody ought to get into marketing. It might be a field in there. An average user spends two hours and 31 minutes daily on social media. Of course, teens showed an increase in their daily screen time from seven hours and 22 minutes to eight hours and 39 minutes. Uh, yeah, that's uh, substantial. Uh, if you look at that, 2.5 hours times seven days is, I, I think I did the math right, but it's like 17.5 hours per week, okay, per person. Uh, throw that out in a year's time, by 52 weeks, we're looking at like 910 hours per year of our lives on social media, okay? So I did another Google search then. I'm like, okay, let's compare that on the backdrop of Scripture. And um, what I found is... Uh, 
estimated time that one reads, uh, that one's reading their Bible per day, it shot back to me, it just said, most people don't. I'm like, ooh, that hurt. Regarding or reading your Bible 15 minutes a day, five days a week, only takes 65 hours a year. That's 4% of the time we spend watching TV, 8% of the time looking at our phones, and 10% of our time on social media. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, I'm going to turn my phone off. Turn it back right on, turn it back on and justified that, well, I got to prepare this message, so. It is always a reason why, right? Why are you on your phone? Well, you know, I know it's at the dinner table, it's our rule, but listen, I just had to respond to so-and-so, you know, and anyway, <laughs> touche, I'm guilty as charged. So I did one more Google search, one more Google search, and I just said, the estimated time one spends in worry per day. And the research revealed we spend, an, on average, one hour and 50 minutes a day fretting, amounting to 12 hours and 53 minutes a week, or four years and 11 months across the average adult lifetime of 65 years. That's a lot. That's a lot of worry. Now, now could it be the reason why we find ourselves so worried about the future, especially when it comes to end times. And, and, and not us in here, of course, those people who are out there, right? Those folks way on out, like, like not us, you know? But could it be the reason why we have such stress and fear, especially as it relates to last days and end times and eschatology, could it be that it's because we're investing our most valuable resource that we have, which is our time, talent, and treasure in a stock that does not yield a return? But what if we flip that? Because when we come to the text that we studied last Sunday in Luke 21 and verse 13, and we'll read that in a moment, but we see that Jesus is saying, listen, I need you to be ready for this time. I need you to be ready because as believers in Christ, you are essential. You're essential. So I spoke last week about how um, preppers kind of have like this negative context to them. Like when you, when you search things out, it says, you know, they're doomsday preppers. And we looked at that last week. And, but I believe the scriptures challenge us and encourage us to be prepared. Now, here's where the rubber meets the road, okay? Here's where the rubber meets the road. When it comes to prepping... And it's all within the mindset. But when it comes to what we would call the, the, the end times, okay, uh, here's the question that I want to give you to determine where you're at. Are you prepping out of faith or are you prepping out of fear? Are you prepping out of faith or are you prepping out of fear? Because according to the text, which we're going to jump into in Luke 21, or we just read, we see two camps that Jesus is speaking about. He's speaking about two different mindsets of people. In Luke 21, in verse 13, he says, these conditions that we see, world spiraling out of control. He said, for his people, this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. Now, that's faith. 
Verse 26 in Luke 21 says, People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Now that's fear. And so the main takeaway of this passage of Scripture, Jesus is letting us know that he wants us to be full of faith, not full of fear. Those who are prepping out of fear are storing up for themselves so that they can hide out. Those who are prepping in faith are storing up so that they can help out when a calamity comes to continue to be salt and light. See, our faith helps us sacrifice more of what we have for the sake of others because we understand and believe the value that there is in helping one another especially during challenging times. Like in the same way that Jesus gave his life on the cross, he desires that we also would make sacrifices for the betterment of others, for the betterment of of our family, for the betterment of our community, for the betterment of our church. This is a family of God, and he wants us to look out for one another, especially during these last days. So Jesus wants us to live by faith, and not by fear. Somebody say, live by faith, not by fear. Now look at somebody and say it. Live by faith, not by fear. Jesus said, this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. He's saying, listen, I need you to be prepared and to be ready because you are essential to God. While we're over here wondering, Jesus, I wonder if you really love me. I, I, I wonder if I'm really valuable. I wonder if I'm really important to you. Jesus is saying, listen, you are essential to me. You are important to God. You are vital to God. You are indispensable to God. You are actually a key player in what God wants to do in these last days because you are essential. The challenge is I think we, see, we don't see ourselves as essential and we're like, Lord, man, I'm just trying to pay the rent. You know what I mean? Like, Lord, I'm just trying to make ends meet. I'm just trying to raise these children to the best of my ability. You know, some of you got a couple more than we have and you're like, man, these kids are driving me nuts. You know, Lord, I, Lord I'm just trying to, to hold it down. And I feel like the Lord will be like, well, then listen to your pastor today so that he can help you to become equipped in these last days because you are essential. Jesus said, this is your opportunity to tell them about me. I need you to be prepared. I need you to be carriers of hope. I don't need you hiding underground. I need you shouting it from the rooftop that Jesus is our hope. So last week, I gave you a a couple of I gave you one application point. That one application point was, um, anybody remember it? Thank you so much, Stillman. She does the slides, so she's kind of got it in, right? (laughs) To prepare our hearts to meet with Jesus. And then we put a tagline on there. We said, through worship. And we gave that 10-hour challenge. How many of you guys took that 10-hour challenge? You just, you clicked, man, that's, that's, there we go. Okay, 
All right, if you took it online, if you're online and you know you've been worshiping with us for 10 hours, or I think actually Mike, um, Mike Soderberg said, wait a second, Pastor, it's actually eight hours and what, 30 minutes or something? <laughs> I said, okay, fine, play it twice, you know? Um, but, but the idea was to, to be able to bring peace to our heart by worshiping the Lord. And so we said, we're going to put a playlist together for a really, really long time so that you can constantly be in the presence of God in worship. And we even looked at the spiritual significance of that in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Saul, the king, was troubled by an evil spirit. David would come in and he would just start playing on his harp. Is that how they play a harp? How do you play a harp? Like this. There we go. He would come in. He could plunk a little bit. Right? And when he played, the scripture says the evil spirit departed from Saul. And so we just encourage you and said, take this challenge. See, family, what we're trying to do is we're trying to develop habits. That's a one-time thing. Wonderful if you did it one time. If you weren't able to, the list is still there. Keep on. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to establish habits. We want to develop a lifestyle of worshiping Jesus. We want to develop a lifestyle of trying to take as much time throughout the day as possible in worship to the Lord, okay? Because it does something on the inside. You know, there's a lot of fear out there. We don't want that fear to be in here. And so today I just want to give you a couple more application points. And they're not going to be very long, I promise. But um, I want to give you a few application points. And the acronym I'm going to give you is W-A-R. W-A-R. And it's the word accountability and resources. Remember, so I talked about that diaper bag that I had to pack up? Boy, I tell you, if I had a child, man, this would be the new diaper bag right here. I can't even believe I never thought about putting some diapers in a backpack. I walked around with that flower purse for 15 years, you know. At first, you're walking with it, and you're like, you know, Trying to end a public place, you just kind of feel funny. But after about two children, you just kind of just are secure. You're like, I don't care what you think, dude. Like, we need to change these diapers. So I don't, I don't care, you know. But I wish I would have had one of these. Some of you guys have like those cool-looking bags. I saw Sam Whaley had like some camo bag. I'm like, okay, I see you, you know. Looks like you can go hunting or you can change a diaper. That works. That's what's up. So... We want to prepare your heart by consistently reading God's word. That is our first one. We're looking at the word of God. The word, point number, prepare your heart by consistently reading God's word. Hey, if we want to prepare our heart to meet with Jesus, we're going to need to develop consistent habits of reading God's word. Do you know the word of God? Like you're a believer in Christ. Do you know the word? When people challenge you on your faith, do you know the word of God? Do you at least know how to search for some of those answers? That's my prayer as a pastor, that that he would do for you what he did for me, to put somebody to challenge me in my beliefs, and I found myself not having that knowledge. And I was like, you know what? That's the last fight I lose. I'm going to study God's word from here on out. Because according to the Lord, this is what gets us through these challenging times, is to have that word in our hearts. 
So here's what I found, though. Well, like when we're trying to draw closer to the Lord in, in reading the scriptures, I call it the New Year's resolution effect. You ever make a New Year's resolution? Have you ever broken? That's the real question. Have you ever broken a New Year's resolution, right? I think the reason why, especially when we try to become like more spiritual and, and, and really dive in, is, is we're trying to do too much. Our goals are too high. And this is going to be an honest, humbling assessment. You know, because we set out, we're like, we're going to read the scripture. We're going to read the whole Bible this week. You know, and it's like that, there's no way that's going to happen. But what if we just broke it down and we just developed real consistent spiritual habits in God's word? According to the stat, it was only 15 minutes. In fact, I didn't even unpack that very much. But if you want, text me and I'll send you the link that I had. But they said if somebody reads the scripture for 15 minutes a day, according to what we saw, five days a week, there are so many things that it just prevents in our lives. I don't want to get too graphic on a Sunday, but there are so many things that it would help in when it comes to our integrity when nobody's looking. According to the study, scientific study. So we want to get the word of God in our heart. Here, here's something, and it may be elementary for you. You might be like, get out of here. What if we said in the beginning of the day, we're going to read the word of God for 15 minutes and pray. What if we just had a 15-minute block? Let me tell you what's elementary. Now, you got to put, buckle up, okay? I might step on your toes, and, and hopefully I don't, but I'm not trying to. What's elementary is for the pastor to have to keep on preaching to the church globally. That if we could just read the word for 15 minutes a day, it'll do so much for you in your life. That's elementary. It ought to be to the place where it's like, okay, let's get this habit developed, and now let's move on to greater things. Let's move on to, to showing the love of Christ to others. Let's move on to building churches and orphanages in and, and, and third world countries and, and providing wells. Like, 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 let's move on to some of those greater things, and let's just establish. Can we establish the elementary principles in our lives? So the scripture or the, the application point that I want to give you, is 15 minutes a day to read the Word of God. We have a devo that we have on Generation Life Church. I would encourage you to do it. We have our little word, and then we have a little word of prayer. If you do that for five days a week, the stats show that it will help your life tremendously. I'm not trying to be like no car salesman or anything like that. You know what I mean? I'm just saying these are the realities. Let me show you one more as it relates to the word of God. Now, you guys don't know nothing about this right here. This is the Action Bible. Now, this is a Bible that my children have had for a long time. The Action Bible is basically a graphic novel. And when they are of age, which it's probably even younger now, I don't even know what the appropriate age is. I think when Madison was like third grade, we gave her one of these, and she read the whole thing. And what that does is that gets the word in their heart. <clears throat> it's not the entire Bible, but it is a, a very, very great resource for children. Hey, listen, as we are developing habits within our own lives, Let's make sure we don't leave our kids behind. 
right? Let's make sure that we're showing them how to develop habits within them as well. Grandparents, this doesn't exclude you. You can have a significant impact in your, your grandkids' lives. Have one of these bad babies on the table. When they run by, they'd be like playing those toys. What was that? And then that's when you say, hey, listen, on Sunday nights, we're going to have a little time of reading this. Grandma, I'll read you one of these stories. If you're real good, I'll read you one of these, right? You know, you got to make it work. This is what we've done. This is how we implemented habits for our kids. Um, we said, you know, on Sunday nights, we're going to have a little bit of worship. We're going to play two songs. Not going to over, overdo it. And we're going to get out there, and we're going to jump during that little speedy song that we do. We were doing uh, Hillsong Kids or something. That is a workout. Man, we're just up there. We're jumping with them. And then after that, we'll, we may even have a slower song. We're worshiping. We'll hold our hands up with them. Come on, this is how we worship. P put your hands up. Close your eyes. Right? And this is how we worship. And then we're going to sit down, and we're going to have just a little story, just a little one. Not too much. We're only going to do it once a week. Sometimes our goal, we're going to have a Devo every single day until Jesus comes. No, you're not. You are not. I guarantee you won't. You might get through one time like that, and, and then you need to have a span of time in between, and that's okay. It's not that we're trying to give them, we're just trying to develop habits. So as they come up, it's more natural to continue that on. Um, we'll be unpacking some more of this kind of stuff during a series that we're going to be calling um, Parental Guidance toward the late spring, early summer that I'm really excited about. Um, <clears throat> so that's just a little bit of a teaser for you. If we want to have <clears throat> and prepare our heart to meet with Jesus, we need to have God's word in our heart. You guys ready for the second point? This good for everybody? All right. <clears throat> Am I helping anybody? Good, we appreciate you. I'd preach it even if I weren't, you know. Um, number two, number two, accountability. Mm. Whoo, Lord. If we want to prepare our heart to meet with Jesus, then we need to have <clears throat> accountability. All right, so this is called the Conquer Series. And the Conquer series is a series, and it's actually a group that we are, we're doing here at Gen Life Church, and um, it's, it's for men's purity. Now, women, there are some resources that, that we can resource you with. We just don't have it packaged in a DVD, and we don't specifically have that group yet, okay? But, but we will have something, and actually, I have a resource for you if you find challenged in an area of integrity, in your heart, okay? But the Conquer series is accountability. We've got a group here, and um, I actually just wanted to take a moment and just allow you to see the trailer so that we can break down of what we're looking at here. I'm rolling in. Church is in the sexual battle of its life. If you take it just a standard cookie cutter Christian, don't do this, don't do that, it won't work. It's going to really sweep through the church like a tsunami wave of destruction of the family. 
I had wanted to fly a jet aircraft since I was four years old. I wanted to be a fighter pilot. Hey. And so it was all I was living for. Still think you're a hotshot? You won't last 10 seconds in combat. You know how to fly, but you don't know how to fight. You have to understand how the enemy is personally bushwhacking you. Alpha Bravo, this is an ambush. I'm rolling in. I was an alcoholic. I was a sex addict. I was completely out of control. Like I had a rope around my leg, they have a noose around their soul. And the harder they pull against it, the worse it gets. That's why trying harder doesn't work. You have to know your enemy if you're going to win. It's not just going to go away. Just the power of sexual bondage. It promises you everything, gives you absolutely nothing. It feels as if there's no hope you're never getting out of this. But the shed blood of Jesus Christ guarantees there's a way out. God guarantees you. His word is very clear. The curse will be visited the third or fourth generation. We will create trails in our brain that are just going to fire on an automatic sequence. You're fighting for the very lineage that God gave you. What a man does in life becomes history, but what he puts into motion becomes his legacy. And if you will break this curse, then your sons and your daughters have a better shot. It took me three and a half years, but I'll tell you now, you know what I'm having the joy of? is sweet revenge. The very thing the enemy used against me as a weapon, now God is forged by the hammer of his adversity that he's brought in my life, by the hammer of his challenges, by the correction of my soul, and he's formed it into a weapon, and I'm taking sweet revenge against the enemy. And that's what God has for you. day determine who you are and how you can fly. It will put a weapon in your hand that you can conquer and begin to help other men. I believe in you, Roberts. Mm. Hey, um, I don't know if you caught that one line in there. He said, you know how to fly, but you don't know how to fight. Ooh, so powerful, such a powerful concept. Hey, listen, if, if we want to prepare our hearts to meet with Jesus, we need to have accountability in our lives. This is such a powerful concept because, listen, <clears throat> we'll keep it G-rated on a Sunday, but, but nobody can be with you when you're on that business trip in the hotel room and you're by yourself and you have so many different things available to you. In that moment, you need to have somebody that you can call. You need to have somebody who is holding you accountable. And it may not just be in that area. It may also be in other areas of life. But if you can have other people to link arms with you and to go through it, that's the benefit of being at Generation Life Church. You don't have to do this life alone. You've got a family of people who are there for you and who are for you. And so if you are interested in potentially finding out some information, you can come to me. Um, I've got Justin Corwin is here in the front. You guys know John Stillman. He's always up here on, on base. Um, who else we, we've got? We've got, a, we've got a couple of men. Oh, Stutz. Where's my man Stutz? Yeah, Stutz right over here. Um, we, we've got some men that you can come and see and, uh, and, and keep it private. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But we want to make sure that we're walking in integrity and, and we're living a life guilt-free 
because we know that we're walking uprightly before God. Amen. I, I'm not going to say anything else about that, but um, accountability. And lastly, lastly, uh, resources. See, the characteristic of prepping, um, of preppers, is, is stockpiling, like food and water and essentials, right? Um, <clears throat> And so we're giving you some essentials, but I, I, I want us to make sure that we're, we're preparing our, our spirit, our mind, and our bodies, like we're ready, okay? And so I'm going to pull something out of it. it might, you might bug out about it, but this right here is storable food, okay? Now, this was given to us. In fact, many of these bags were given to us. In fact, I even have some of these canisters full of food that was given to us. And, and it's characteristic of somebody who prepares, who preps, okay? Remember last week I said the Red Cross recommends having three weeks of food and water in case of an emergency? Well, I don't know about you, but man, I don't know if I can just do water and food, like I gotta have some pancakes, you know, like I gotta have some, some stuff. And so I was just grateful and thankful for this. You know, I, I used to have a negative outlook upon prepping the way like many people do online, okay? And I'm not hardcore, I'm not extreme. I, it was given to us, so we received the blessing, right? It was beneficial though. Um, I had a conversation with a brother in a church that we came from previously. He changed my whole outlook on this concept. And he, as we were talking, he said, yeah, brother said, yeah, I got about 8,000 or 10,000, something like that, eight or $9,000 invested in storable foods and water. I was like, have you ever seen that show Hoarders? I was like, what? I said, you are a single man in your 60s. You'll never eat that much food. Why do you have all that stuff? And he said, then he broke it down. He said, with this amount of food, and he said X amount of pounds that this guy had, he said, if there is an emergency, I can feed seven families for one year. When he said that, I said, oh, you ever had a conversation with somebody and a revelation hits you and you're just like, you don't even know how to, I don't even know what my facial expression was. But I said, wow, that's, that's like the script, that's like Joseph in the Bible, if you go to Genesis 50 and a couple of chapters prior, you, you'll see that when, when a famine hit the land, the people were able to survive because Joseph had some food stored up for others, okay? And so it, it changed things. I said, this, this brother right here, he's not prepping just so that he can hide out. This brother is prepping for the sake of others so that he can help out in time of need, Hey, listen, you know what it really reminds me of? I guess, I guess what we're, we're doing is, is we're going full circle. Generation Life Church started upon the book of Acts chapter number two, and we have just preached two messages to come all the way back around to say, hey, this is what was modeled in Acts chapter number two. Remember they sold what they had and they helped one another out? <laughs> That's exactly what we're speaking about and being prepped, being prepared physically, spiritually, mentally, so that if there is anything that does happen, we're prepared and we're also able to help out others. I don't know what that does for you, but I hope that um, if you don't hear anything else, that you would hear that the Lord wants you to prepare for the future 
while making a difference in the present. You are essential. So I just want to give you one last step as we conclude. And that is, invite as many people as you possibly can to church. Tell as many people as you possibly can about Jesus. Bring them here. Maybe they'll hear the word of God and they'll receive Christ and they'll be saved. I want to leave you with this challenge. Listen, if you were to meet with Jesus today, if he were to come back, are you prepared to meet with him? Are you ready to meet with Jesus? Do you have your heart right with the Lord? I'm going to close in prayer in just a moment, but I want to know, do you have your bags packed? Do you got that diaper bag ready to go in the emergency? Do you have your bags packed in life so that when Jesus comes, you're ready? You're ready to meet with him. That's the purging of sin from our heart. That's saying, Lord, whatever it is that I have in my heart, I need to get that right with you, Father, and I want to repent right now in Jesus' name. Help me in this area of my life. Lord, bring accountability around whatever you need to do to resource me that I might live for you. I want to encourage you to make sure that you do that and that you understand that you are an essential part of what God wants to do in these last days. Why don't we go before the Lord in prayer? In fact, why don't we stand? We'll worship. I pray that you were blessed by this little two-part series. We're going to go before the Lord in worship. And while we do, um, I'm going to make my way here to the front. And if there's anybody that needs to have prayer for anything, we finally have a place where you can actually come. Um, come forward and, and, and we'll pray together. Let's go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. Uh, Lord, there's not many uh, messages that I've really heard in regards to the, some of the contents that we have spoken of. Uh, Lord, I, I ask and pray, Father, that um, whatever we do, we would prepare our hearts to meet with you, Lord. That we would find ourselves being used by you. That we would find ourselves at peace with you and being a peacemaker so that as we come, as we show up, as we are in our neighborhoods, our communities, though others may be stressed and fretting, Lord, may we be at peace and able to communicate the love of Christ that brings peace. Father, may we be the resource that you desire to use in our sphere of influence. We give you thanks, Lord, for all that you're doing in our midst. Lord, most importantly, in the midst of a world that might be spiraling out of control, we thank you that we have hope in you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We give you thanks. Father, we thank you that you are the way maker. And we're going to sing to you now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Generation Life Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message inspired, encouraged, and challenged you in your walk with Jesus. Join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in person at Orange High School or online via our YouTube channel. For more information about Gen Life or to connect with us, visit generationlifechurch.com.